Praise the Lord. Thank God. Aren't you glad he's helped you to be able to, in a world of wandering stars, be able to find your orbit where you need to be? Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 22. Let's read verse 12 through verses 14. I greet you tonight in the name of the Lord. Hope you come expecting. It's uh, coming a good rain on the outside, so hopefully it'll come a real good shower on the inside. How many needs to be saturated with the presence of God? Amen. There's nothing in the world like the presence of the Lord. Absolutely nothing. Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. I may like to be remembered as we pray tonight. God bless you, me me as well. Lord Jesus, we thank you tonight for the opportunity that's been given to us, Lord, as mortals, that we would be able to stand before you Hear your voice, Lord, worship, sing, adore you, exalt you, praise you. What a great thing it is for us as human beings to be called into the presence of Almighty God. If all we knew, Lord, was just you in this life, it would be such a privilege. Yet for what lays before us in the future, I'm sure from the least to the greatest to us to this very night, we comprehend so little of what awaits us on the other side. Lord, I pray that you would help us take your word tonight, break the bread of life. Lord, that we sit here, as it were, uh, joining around those that sat with you that day on the way to Emmaus. And when they came in the room and you broke the bread, and they knew there was something about the way the bread was broke, it identified it was you. May they look beyond Donnie Reagan. May they look beyond this song leader or that organ player or this piano player. May we be able to see and hear you tonight, Lord Jesus, and be able to recognize it. It's you by the way you break the bread of life. Feed us, Father. We're hungry. We're needy. Speak to us, Lord Jesus. It's in your glorious name we ask it. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. I want to speak to you again tonight on the direction of our new home. I'm going to go way out yonder, and then we'll make a big loop after about star 921 HV, and then we'll turn back around this way and come back toward the dog star, and then we'll come back this way, and maybe by the 35th year of the millennium, we'll be back to this text. So in case you're wondering what I've got to say has got to do with this text, uh, you'll understand it better by and by, as they say. I've stood in um, a lot of the major cities of the world, Cairo, Egypt, Chicago, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Dallas, Mumbai, which was the largest city, of course, in in India, Bombay. I've stood in most of the major cities of our nation, in different major cities of the nations of the world. As I've stood in those cities and look at the people that are there, 
living in an American city and being American, knowing that we have been given according to our Constitution and the Fifth Amendment and the Fourteenth Amendment, which was ratified to make it a little bit more clear for our understanding, that what our founding fathers turned was given to us inalienable rights. Those rights are for happiness and the pursuit of happiness. And, but we know actually in reality when they wrote that, they did not really believe that. Because even though they said that, there were black people that were living in America that did not have those rights because they were slaves. Is that right? Now, they said that and they wrote it, but in reality, it would be a long, long time before many people would ever get their inalienable rights. Many to this very day still don't have them in all reality. So, but we're not looking necessarily at the pursuit of happiness and the right to be able to have the American dream, as we would say, and to be able to vote and to be able to do all that. But what John is focusing on here is the right to the tree of life. And the right to be able to go in and out of the city. Now, having been in many of these different cities of the world, and one thing that I've noticed is that in these cities you'll see people of different races, different colors, different cultures, different ethnicities, different types of backgrounds that they come from, and they would be there from maybe from different parts of the world. Yet, the requirement to be able to live, say, in Cairo, Egypt, is not the same thing as what we just read here in Revelation 22:14. To be able to live in Chicago or Dallas or Amarillo or New York City or many of the large cities of the world and the nations of the world, their requirements to live there are not the same as what we've read here tonight. So it makes you wonder then what type of people are going to be the inhabitants of that city. Now, you could be able to be a New Yorker, you could be a black New Yorker, a white New Yorker, Hispanic New Yorker, an East Indian, you could be a Native American, and you could pull up all these different ethnicity uh, groups of people and culture groups and religious groups, and every one of them say, I'm a New Yorker, and he'd be a black man. A white man would say, I'm a New Yorker, and an American Indian would say, I'm a New Yorker and say someone from Israel. Then you'll be able to look at them, the Hasidic Jew, and you'll be able to see the curls on the man, the black hat, the long three-quarter length coat. You know, of course, that he was a Jew, but yet he would say, I'm a New Yorker. Then there'll be somebody else standing there, and you would tell by their dress that they was absolutely maybe a Muslim. Or you'd see a woman that would have the little red star saying right here in her forehead, which would let you know if you knew her religion, you'd know that she was a Hindu. So every one of them can say, I'm a New Yorker, I'm a New Yorker, I'm a New Yorker. Yet every one of them, by religious background, would have a different type of faith. Their ethnicity would be different. Their culture would be different. Every one of them probably could speak a different language. You'd go home with every one of them, and the type of food that they would eat, which would be normal to them, would be so different than probably what you would eat. And yet every one of them would say, but I'm a New Yorker. So whenever we look at being a resident of a city, what man requires and what God requires is not the same thing at all, is it? 
So, if you decide you want to leave Happy Valley and you live over in Elizabethan somewhere and you decide you want to go up to New York City and you want to move into the Bronx or to one of the five boroughs there and you want to go to Brooklyn wherever more and you want to go to Brother Robert Marrero's church or some church up in that vicinity there, <clears throat> well, there's no law that you have to go through. You don't have to uh, drag out your passport or your license or be able to apply to the city of New York or the state of New York to be able to move there, basically all you got to do is pack up your duds and head out, rent you a U-Haul. But yet when you come to being able to live inside this city, now the rights to being a New Yorker, you would be there and maybe you'd ask people, well, what's the laws about this and what's the law, well, you got to do this and you came to that, okay, okay. But yet it would be totally different than the laws and the confines and the things you could or could not do to be a resident of this city that we just read about tonight. Now in that, the laws of God that will be there in the city of God are also passed down here here in time. So the inhabitants that will make that city are living by the laws of the future home right now. So you won't be able to live one life in this life here and then all of a sudden you die and you go, go beyond this veil and then whenever the, the great city of God comes down and you're allowed to go in and live inside that city and you're a sinner, a liar, a whoremonger, whatever more that you were here and then you're allowed somehow to go inside of that city and live beside the saints. No, it doesn't work that way. That's right. What you are somewhere else is actually what you are here. Now that is a reflection of that great theophany that God gave you, the attribute of that word that will help quicken your mortal life right now to live a heavenly life in type while you were yet a mortal. You understand where I'm coming from? Now all of those that want to go to heaven and all of those that feel like they're going to heaven yet they live their own way, they do their own thing, and everybody, everybody thinks that all roads go to heaven. So whether you're a denominational believer, whether you're a Muslim, whether you're a Hindu, Shinto, whatever you are, a no to. Whatever you are, they don't think it makes really making a difference because they believe all roads lead as it used to years ago, that they say all roads led to Rome. And people believe the same thing today about heaven, that all roads lead to heaven. Well, that is a big fat lie. And I say big and fat because it is not the truth. There's only one road and one way that leads to heaven, and that way has a name and it is the name of a man called Jesus Christ the name of that road is not Baptist the name of that road is not Church of God it's not Pentecostal come on I'm going to go on a little farther the name of that road is not William Branham the name of that road is not Happy Valley and the name of that road is not Message the name of that road is the Lord Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if any man will come to the Father, he must come through me. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Now, I said all of that to be able to lay a foundation so you kind of uh, see the direction that I want to go. So then, to be able to be a resident of this city, it's going to require certain things. Now, there won't be taxes, of course, and there will not be a black neighborhood and a white neighborhood, and it will not be broke up in boroughs like New York. It will not be broke up in precincts like other places. It will not be like Minneapolis, St. Paul, to where that you'll have a lot of the city 
Sikhs who live in a certain region of Minneapolis and you'll have the Muslims who live in another region and then you have the Germans who live in another region. It will not be like that because there'll be no racial divide. There'll be no cultural divide. Praise the Lord. And you know what? You won't have a problem at all if your neighbors to the left of you five streets down are all black and you're white. You won't have no problem if all the neighbors to the left ten streets down are all black and you're white because everybody there are colorblind when it comes to be able to look in at that. And as a matter of fact, if you've got the Holy Ghost right now, you are the same way. So it doesn't bother you. You can put your arms around a black man, a red man, a white man, whatever more, and you do not feel no resentment toward him at all. That's right, because you know God of one blood made all the earth and wanted that one blood, of course, and he designed it so that the color of the ground that we come from would be a reflection in the body that we would bear the image of. So that within itself will have no influence whatsoever in heaven. It will not be your status of wealth that you had here in this life. That will have nothing to do with it either. It will not be whether you bought your clothes at Goodwill or or if everything you got come from the mall. God won't have a mall section and a goodwill section. God won't have a hand-me-down section. Praise the Lord. God won't have another section of the folks that drove Cadillacs and then another folks of those who drove Volkswagens or those who drove Land Rovers and Mercedes and BMWs. Nope, there'll be none of that there because that's not what heaven consists of. Heaven consists of the Word. So then when you think about what heaven consists of, though cars never come from the Word. God never spoke a Mercedes into existence nor a Volkswagen, praise the Lord. So God is not the one responsible for a lot of these things that so identify us and our culture of modern America or the modern world. So all the social standing will be totally destroyed. All the cultural things will be totally destroyed. All the wealth things, totally destroyed. It'll be nothing like the world as we know it now. Now, nobody will ever look down their nose at another person and feel like that they are better than them. Nobody will ever, you know, kind of have this attitude, well, I'm a so-and-so and I'm a so-and-so. No, there won't be nothing people there. They will not be allowed to live inside this city. So what kind of people then will it be in order to be able to have the right to the tree of life to live inside the city? So as we can see, it'd be totally different than say if we would stroll down Johnson City tomorrow afternoon at your church and we'd want to go down there and eat somewhere or Elizabethan or Mountain City or wherever and we would no doubt see folks of all kinds of beliefs, all types of culture. We would see them all type of color. We'd see them that, that lie and cheat and steal and might do everything in the world and yet every one of them I say I'm a Johnson City and I live here. This is my residence. Well, apparently there's no law against them being able to drink and be able to do this and other just certain codes or certain restrictions where the law of Johnson City will allow them to do it. But it's not so in heaven. Now, you can live in Johnson City and be a liar. You can live in Johnson City and be a prostitute, especially if you don't get caught. Well, praise the Lord. You can live in Johnson City and be a crook. You can live in Johnson City and be all kinds of things and do all kinds of things because Johnson City has no ordinance against such things. But the ordinance of heaven is of a different degree. 
Now, Johnson City, Bristol, Kingsport, Frankfurt, Germany, London, England, all those places, uh, which I've been there and seen them myself, so I know what I'm talking about. All of those are under the dictate of the king of cosmos. So he has a total different order than the king of eternity. He loves himself. I'm talking about the devil. Satan is the king of the cosmos or the world order. So every major city that I just named and all of those that I did not name, whether it's Cologne, whether it's Paris, France, whether it's Lausanne, Switzerland, wherever it is in the world, Satan is actually our, our wall alone, capital of the United States, Washington, D.C., or Baltimore, Maryland, wherever it would be, every place we would name Satan is actually the king of all of this, but it's only temporary, is that right? He loves lying, he loves adultery, he loves sickness, he loves all those sorts of things. That's right. But the Lord Jesus has nothing to do with any of that that I just mentioned. So what will he require in order to get to this blessed city now that he's gone to prepare? So we can see socially it has nothing there. Financially it has no requirement there. We can see that your color has no requirement or limitation. So what is it that you have to do in order to get reinstated back to have a right to the tree of life? What would be the requirement? Well, wouldn't everybody want to go and live in this place? Well, apparently not, because everybody does not accept the invitation. But what would be God's requirement, and what would these individuals who will live there, what will be the course of their life, and say they're here on the earth, and the origination in time is point A, and heaven will be, the beloved city will be point B. In between that might be decades and decades of, of difficulty and snares and trials and things that they will go through. Yet in their journey, they have found this blessed one who keeps them through all that they go through. Now, they know they're not the only ones that go through things in life. Sinners go through things as well. But they have fell in love with the king, which is, and which is to come, right? And they've forsaken the old nature and the desire of the world and the things of the world that they used to love. And they have been reinstated with the right to eat from the tree of life. Now that within itself reflects a great miraculous supernatural touch from the hand of God that would produce in them a new birth. It's one of the greatest miracles you'll ever have. If you get your eyes opened up and they're blind, if you have one leg that's two inches shorter than the other one and God grows it out, that's all well and good. The prophet of God said the greatest miracle that you and I could ever experience is when we're born again. You could lose your eyesight. You could be able to lose your healing in your body. But if you ever get eternal life, you will never lose it. It is the greatest miracle God could ever do. So then what will God do? Is it just giving them eternal life and the essence of eternal life and God loving them? And we know that he did. And Jesus made the profound statement. We'll look at it Wednesday, Lord willing. But Jesus made this statement in St. John 17 and the great intercessory prayer on the, the way to the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, Father, I pray that they may be one even as you and I are one and that they may be able to come into this perfect unity and that they may able to know that you have loved them even as you have loved me. Can you imagine the Lord Jesus saying such a profound thing that God the Father loved the elect in the same way that he loved the Lord Jesus. 
Well, we'll leave that for Wednesday. But is loving them enough? Is giving them eternal life enough? Is just rebirthing them and placing them here in life, will that help them to walk down streets of God? Now listen carefully to my answer. So you'll understand that he's told us in the Revelation, blessed are they that overcome. Here he says, blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life. So it's not just what he gives, but it's what we do with what he gives and how we obey his word that proves we have a character that matches the gift we received. Now it's evident that a lot of folks have received grace and pardon from their past sins and but they don't love God enough to go on and live the rest of their life for him so they're in and out and in and out and up and down and in and out and up and down. One day you see them they're serving God the next time you see them they're not sure if they want to go to church and live for God or not. Well unless they change I can guarantee you tonight by God's word those people will never walk down streets of gold because their character does not match the heavenly requirement which is not race, culture, authenticity but it is a desire to want heaven more than you want anything else in this world and you are willing to go through whatever necessary in order to get you there. Is that right? Now this is something that the first church age was so endowed with by the power of God. That it was they had received the engrafted word. Was the word that the Bible uses in the New Testament. That we have received the engrafted word. So it was more than a doctrine to these New Testament people. It was more than just a theory. Some ideology of some man. Uh, but they actually received a new birth and it was truly heaven's own atmosphere that had been rebirthed in them while they were living in this life and even though the journey was going to be difficult and there was going to be hardships along the way they were determined by the grace of God they were going to make it backsliding was not even a thought going back to the world there was no bridges behind them a man who really loves his wife and a wife who really loves her husband well my goodness you don't put anybody out there in front of them if you want to if they really love one another they made that vow to each other and they're going to stay with each other faithfully to the word of God but let a man flirt with a woman let a woman flirt with a man any man that commits adultery against his wife does not love her right I don't care what he says his action proves different it's the same way with a woman committing adultery against her husband husband same way with church people committing adultery against Christ the word but you ain't going to get the bride to commit adultery against Christ the word because she loves him with all of her heart her soul her mind and her strength is that right now to them then is given this may I use the words of the constitution in this inalienable right now it's not given to us of course by the forefathers of our nation but this inalienable right actually come to us when the logos left the eternal you see it was the divine glory of God that the Lord Jesus the logos when he comes out of the eternal he was not a boy he was not a he was not a human but it was the condensing of God from the great eternal unseen 
seen to that which could be seen and it was called the Logos and then of course he condescended on down when he come on the earth and he actually gained the title of son of God and he wants to then be able to share that glory because the glory which he had with the father before the world began was not an earned glory it was not a glory that anything he would ever do would exemplify that make it greater or add to it but yet there was a glory that the Lord Jesus received in his humanity that he would later share with the people of God oh hallelujah amen now notice then as we look at this that, that Satan seeing that what God had done starting the church on, in the book of Acts and that they were born again they had the very nature of God the engrafted word they had a soul that had been changed and changed in the presence of God and they would not change and flip flop back and forth Peter's cussing days was over you know their jealous, uh, jealousy between one preacher and another all that was gone I think a lot of the message preachers that get the Holy Ghost would lay aside all this jealousy in the message well praise the Lord don't, don't ever let jealousy on to God it's of the devil that's right so Satan desired then to be able to come among them and to be able to stop them now whatever the soul puts out in that realm of the supernatural that Satan is able to perceive know understand whatever it is that the soul is sealed and he just focuses then he starts changing direction and starts focusing on the spirit and on the body now he knows that there's two thirds of us still left in this mortal realm five gates as we looked at last weekend in the spirit five gates in the body by which he's able to assault us every day of our life and how many can say amen that he does that it's quite amazing when you look at his understanding of how God made us my only only a supernatural being like this would be able to have the understanding to so design trials and tests and the things that we're facing at this day it would have to be one right up to the tier next to God to be able to even understand such but greater of course is he that is in us than he that is in the world so Satan wanted to be able to rob the church and if he cannot steal the eternal life, if he cannot take their Zoe, if he cannot even take their representation from being on the ephod of the high priest him bearing their names praise God before before the very throne of God and having made peace and reconciliation if Satan cannot take that from them then what he will try to do is make them a fruitless Christian make them a Christian that is all the time troubled and stressed out and going through all kinds of things how many feel stressed in the day we're living in well, those of you that didn't raise your hands, I, I, I want the name of whatever it is you're taking. Please give me the name. I mean, as long as it's legal. Oh, my. Now, you know, I'm, we're talking about the people that's going to live inside the city. So what kind of people are they going to be? Is it going to be folks that's just going to slide in by, you know, just barely, barely making it? Oh, my, just barely made it. And they fall in the gates, so they fall through the straight through the door. And they're, oh, God, thank you. Oh, it's over. It's over. I finally made it. I, I just don't see that when I read God's Word. I see people that are overcomers. I see people that are not just barely hanging on. They're going to make it out of here and find God. The flying colors are red for redemption, blue for Bill, heavenly, purple for deity. Praise God. That's right. 
Now, I want you to notice this in the restoration of the bride tree. That Brother Ram said, I used to have a friend of mine, Jim Poole and I. We used to have an old dog and we called him Fritz. And so this old dog, he'd go into anything that he'd treat but a skunk. He was afraid of a skunk because he smelled so. So I'd get a skunk under the bush pile and the only thing I had to do was just pat him a little bit and say, seek him, boy, seek him. Oh my. A little bit and he'd, he'd go to that skunk. See, because I was patting him saying, seek him. Well, that's just the way it is. The worst stinker that I know of is the devil. So when I'm bringing this word out and somebody says amen, that's seeking, boy. We get him. We get him treed. Now notice, he goes to the very next paragraph, and it's the one we read last week. So we find out then that he took away the joy. You know, David one time lost the joy of his salvation. He didn't lose his salvation, but he lost the joy of it. And he cried, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. So this little old palmer worm began to eat that fruit of joy out. Now, we know that this is a very important thing, apparently, to the children of God to be able to have joy. But what kind of joy are we talking about? The joy of all your bills being paid? No, it's not that joy. The joy of having a, a day when your back don't hurt? That's a good joy. Sure, if you've got back problems, if you've got some type of physical issues, and, and you have a day or two or three when those things don't bother you, that produces a great joy. But that is not the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is not based upon how you feel, what you see, whether you're up or down or in or out. The joy of the Lord is never affected by any circumstances that are around us at all because it is not your joy, it is the joy of the Lord. So the Lord has joy. Reckon what could ever depress him. The Lord has joy. Reckon what could ever break his heart. Wonder what would ever you'd ever go up to the throne of God and see Spirit God sitting there with his hand, his fingernails in his hand of God, but have fingernail and God going. <laughs> God, what's the matter? It's the end time. The hour's so late. It's getting so dark. <laughs> That's not God. That's us. God ain't never been nervous. God don't take nerve pills. God don't take stomach pills. God don't take nothing to get him up, nothing to get him down, nothing to balance him out. So if our joy comes from him, then even though we're dealing with all kinds of things in life, now remember I'm talking about your future citizenship and how important it is that we understand why God lets us go through so many of these things. It is to prove the value of the inherent right that God's given us by the new birth. That's what he did. There's nothing you and I can do to ever merit that, to ever get it on our own. I don't deserve it, Brother Donnie, and neither do I. But after he's given it to me, then I've got something to do. I want to live right, do right. I want to be faithful. I want to overcome. That's me expressing my love back to him for what he gave to me at no cost to you and I. You understand that? Now, what's this? Brother Brenham goes on in explaining this of how this palmer worm come in to be able to eat the fruit of joy. Now, look, you people make too much noise. I tell you all this crying, this saying amen, this shouting, that's nonsense, there's nothing to it. First thing you know, you're sitting in a big morgue, you know, sitting there, all of them dead, some of these embalming fluids of so-called doctrine of creeds pumped into their veins. Well, the Spirit of God ought to be running. Well, the old church creed pumped in there, no wonder they're icy cold and dead. 
dead. Spiritual thermometer, 90 below zero. Y'all, somebody say amen. Everybody stretch their neck around like some kind of a goose or something. Oh, my. Want to know what said it? It's a shame when the Spirit of God ought to be joy, peace, love. But this little old bug starting to eat on it, and he ate all the joy away. Now, no doubt they had a lot of things around them in the first century to be able to eat on their joy. Now, the early church went through cycles by which one emperor would come in and kill the Christians, and then God would be merciful to them, the Bible says in the book of Acts, and the churches had rest. So God would give them a reprieve from the difficulty they were going through, and then they'd have a time of peace. You know, one would come in, such as Claudius, and he would do what he did toward the Christians, and then there would be others that would come in, and they'd let them have a time of peace. And then Nero would kill them and burn them as torches, human torches in his garden at night while they had their sexual orgies all through the garden. But God by his grace would not allow that to continue on and on and on forever. But yet God would help them and God would give them a reprieve from the difficult that they were going through. So what are we looking at in the inhabitants of that city? A people that are so misunderstood, a people that are so tried, a people that go through so many things but it's not just because they are a human that they're going through this, but they're suffering much of what they go through because they are children of God. If they were not children of God, their life in that human sense, Satan would make it so much easier on them, but harder on you in the fire. So if I'm going to have to go through fire, let me face mine now. Praise the Lord. That's right. We're all going to face it. Notice in, 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 in Psalm 16, David says it this way. Thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalms 27, 6. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing yea I will sing praises unto the Lord wow doesn't that sound like a wonderful bubbling type of Christian of what you and I want to be but yet we realize and we face reality we're certainly not ignorant when it comes to that that we have problems around us we have trouble every age had them when they first age come along you know they come through the bursting pains of the message of that day and we come up to looser and looser of course we stood the Catholic Church but for those of you that have never really studied the Reformation it was not just that Luther was able to start out and preach the message of justification but actually the message started out then there was a carnal minded people which never really received the understanding of justification but the people were free as it were and they started burning churches they actually started burning people's houses they started bringing reproach don't you see why Satan did that it was that negative side that would be laid over on Luther's message of justification so they had to go out and there had to be another reformation to counterbalance what Luther brought because Satan always produces that some of you wonder and marvel why are some of the things around our message the way it's supposed to be it has to be that way there's got to be that and they will look at them and say that's all the message people don't identify me with some of these nuts well praise the Lord don't identify me with some of these quacks around the message and that's all they are come on saints don't get quiet on me I am not a message quack I am a Bible believing Holy Ghost filled Christian 
That's exactly right. Amen. But yet that has to be there. So every age had its pressure and its difficulty. And Satan has always been there to be able to try to aim especially on that tree of life which become revealed in the bride form. Because if he can strip all of her leaves off and all of her bark off and all of her fruit off so there she stands. Oh my. She's just this barren move and they have the same buildings and they go through the same ritual and formula but yet the spirit of the living God is not there. God help we never get to such a place. May God help us. We'll always want the Holy Ghost in our services. Amen. But yet we, we, we know how Satan moves. And some of our biggest robbers in this day of our joy. Now this is something that we as Christians know that we have to deal with. Some of the biggest robbers that we have of our joy is tension and stress and depression and sickness and all kinds of things that are around us every day. Anybody deal with that? Oh, some more honest people now. Watch this in the fire tower and church age. I will put none other burden on you. The word for burden is weight or pressure. The pressure of the dark ages was either bend or be broken. Bow or die. It was the inquisition, the power of the empire fighting back. Notice backing up satanic worship. Be organized or pay with your life. You ain't going to tell me that didn't cause a lot of tension. You ain't going to tell me that it was not nerve-wracking for them preachers uh, preaching when them denominational guys was looking for them, the overlords and the overseers watching these guys, and they had them marked. As a matter of fact, some of these preachers had a bounty on their head. So if they would tell them where they were and they would arrest them, they would actually pay you money. Well, I hope I don't come past in my day. I'll be the first one. Oh, goodness. And it wouldn't take much. Some folks turn me in probably a quarter. So there must have been a lot of stress and a lot of pressure at the window. Would there not? Sure there would. Notice then he said, for example, a great burden of the last stage is the pressure of riches, soft living, and nervous tensions in a complex age that we seem unfitted to live in. All right, now notice then the setting of the elect. Now we're talking about the ecclesia of God, not the foolish virgin. So the ecclesia of God will become more unfitted. So what does that mean where you can understand it? So, all right, say Brother Terry wears, I'm not sure what size suit Brother Terry wears, but I'll say a 42. Say Brother Terry wears a 42 suit. And then he wears maybe a 34, 36 waist. And I say, you know what, Brother Terry, I've got a, I've got a couple of suits here, buddy. I, I'd like to give it. So, well, Brother Donnie, what size are they? Well, they're a 40 and they're a 34 waist. Well, Brother Donnie, that won't fit me because, I, you know, I, I'm just a little bit bigger man than you are. And it, it won't fit. No, no, Brother Terry, no, I want you to have them. I want you to have them. So, in the morning, Brother Terry comes in and he can't. Oh, he's got that. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And the song leader gets him up to prayer and says, Lord Jesus, help me. <laughs> and Brother Terry can't raise his hands because the jacket's too tight. Well, it's unfitted for Brother Terry. Right? He can't be comfortable. You're going to notice something is different about him. Well, just take that and magnify it millions of times over and then put the elect in this dark, sinful, wretched age and you'll see why you were more unfitted than Brother Terry with the wrong suit on. 
find as we go on every day, every week, it gets worse and worse and worse. Is that right? You know it as well as I do. So it is a world with a lot of tension and pressure. And yet the prophet says soft living and nervous tension in a complex age that we seem unfitted to live in. But yet is God out of control? Uh, Did God not know that it would come to this? Or will God actually turn this and use it to our advantage to be able to mold and shape us into finalizing our inalienable rights to live in such a holy godly place? Now notice then, so we're not looking for the Lord to push us through a pipe, put us in this end and then pull us through and then reach through about middle ways and pull us all the way through and yank us out on the other side and say, blessed are they that overcome. You never overcome nothing. God pushed and pulled you and squeezed you out and made you on the other side. But we know there are things we must deal with. Right? So let's look at a few tonight, okay? Stress. Stress is a natural, physical, and mental reaction to life experiences. Everyone expresses stress from time to time. From time to time. Aren't you glad there's a T-O in between times? Time to time, time to time. Anything from everyday responsibilities like work and family to serious life events such as a new diagnosis, war, or the death of a loved one can trigger stress. Election years also do it. And we ain't even there yet. Politics is creating a lot of stress. The racial tension in our country is worse than it's been in years. And politicians are using this, the racial card, to try to do an agenda. Come on, be honest. Don't sit there and look at me. And what does it do? It makes a nervous tension among us. You know what? A lot of the people themselves would settle down and just go on with life if it wasn't for a bunch of these lying politicians in the White House. And those who ain't in there who's wanting to be in there. And what does it do? It creates tension for just the average person like us that just wants to go on and mind our own business and just be a good citizen and get out of this place. Is that right? But yet it creates a tension. Now, it's amazing to me how that God, when he made the human body, that he knew, of course, that man would fall. And God made us with the fight or flight built inside of our structure. It's amazing how that God made us with not only bones and cells and tissues, shoes and organs and hair, fingernails and so on. But God made us with all types of chemistry going on inside of our bodies. God give us a nervous system. God give us an adulterant system. All kinds of different systems in our body. And then God made to where our bodies would release certain chemicals. Then you get those chemicals out of balance a little bit and we can go to feeling it inside of us. Now we may not know exactly which one it is, but it goes to really causing us problems. Is that right? So can you imagine Imagine now whenever we're living in the most stressful age that's ever been. Now, I'm getting this from military things, web, uh, web medicine rather, WebMD and Mayo and all that. Listen to this. Anything from everyday responsibilities like work and family. Them two words right there is enough to put you under major stress in this day. I told somebody the other day I'm convinced the only people that ain't having family problems is the people that ain't got family. Now, I know that ain't rocket scientist language, but apparently every one of you understood it. 
Because if you've got family, somebody in your family is having issues. If it ain't you, it's your wife or your wife's cousin or your cousin's wife's brother's sister's brother-in-law's 13th wife and their 18 children. Everybody's having problems. It makes no difference who you talk to. It seems like everybody's having problems. Come on, saints. Now, watch this, how that it triggers this stress. For immediate short-term situation, stress can be beneficial to your health. It can help you cope with potentially serious situations. Your body responds to stress by releasing hormones that increase your heart and breathing rates and ready your muscles to respond. So whenever you feel this coming on you now, there's something that's moving on you and your heart goes to beating faster and faster and your eyes actually dilate because the, the, your, this is a built-in mechanism inside of your body. I don't know if you knew that or not. But your eyes will actually dilate to give you more light to be able to open up and see more of a full spectrum of everything that's going around. So that's why sometimes we'll, we'll raise our eyelids and we're getting real wide-eyed. And our, our eyes are actually dilating to be able to allow more light in to see the situation because we feel afraid. We feel upset. Now the body is working this way and God so designed it that it would operate like this after the fall because he knew why. Danger is going to be on the earth. Trauma is going to be on the earth. In the Garden of Eden, Adam never knew stress. In the Garden of Eden, he never needed adrenaline, cortisol, many of these things that we absolutely have to have today. But what Satan did, I want you to listen now, Satan so understanding the chemistry of man and the makeup of God's greatest creation that he then moves on the age of, of every one of these saints, these inhabitants of the city, and he is able to move either in politics or science or religion or education and be able to move and cause these tension and cause these wars and political fallout in order to make the people so nervous and so upset that this this thing don't just come and leave but what he wants to do is get you under this nervous tension and keep you there notice if it can help you cope with potentially serious situations your body responds. Now notice what it does by releasing hormones and increased heart and breathing rate and ready your muscles to respond. Now see, you don't do that. You do not do that. You all say, all right, all right, all right, let's go. Come on, come on, pick up. It's actually something, a chemical reaction inside of your body. Yeah, if your stress response doesn't stop firing and these stress levels stay elevated far longer than is necessary for survival, it can take a toll on your health. Now notice then, God so designed the man that whenever these things come, these hormones would come, you, know, you would release glucose, which would be able to give you that burst of energy. You'd release cortisol, you'd release adrenaline, you'd release all this, and it was to be able to help you temporarily. Oh yes, I'm going to make it through that. And then all of a sudden, the trigger response backs off, and then you... Man, that was close. But what if your body don't stop making it? You understand where you're living? You're living in an age when cortisol, adrenaline, glucose, all this is constantly being pumped into our bodies. 
You say, what's this got to do with the city? Everything. You're some of the people that's going to overcome all this hell. Notice. Oh, you say stress, Brother Donnie? Ask me that when I'm done. Chronic stress can cause a variety of symptoms and affect your overall well-being. Symptoms of chronic stress include irritability, anxiety, depression, headaches, insomnia, central nervousness, endocrine systems. That's just to name a few. So your central nervous system is in charge of your fight or flight response. In your brain, the hypothalamus gets the ball rolling, telling your adrenal glands to release the stress hormones, adrenaline and cortisol. These hormones rev up your heartbeat and send blood rushing to the areas that need it most in an emergency, such as your muscles, heart, and other important organs. Now what's it getting you ready for? It's getting ready for you to take off like a chicken or stand there and fight like a man. And you just got to decide which one's the best. So you need the very same release of these hormones for either one, fight or flight. Only one letter difference and that is L. Fight or flight. Now do you stand? There you are. You're pumped. You're pumped up. You're ready. And you say, here I go. <laughs> or you stand there and fight. Same, same hormones. But you are not made to live under that day in and day out. We need some place to be able to go to let off the pressure. That's the joy of the Lord, my brother, sister. So notice then these hormones rev up your heartbeats and blood rush into theirs that need it most in an emergency such as your muscles, heart, and other important organs. When the perceived fear is gone, the hypothalamus should tell all the systems to go back to normal. If the CNS, central nervous system, fails to return to normal or the stressor doesn't go away, the response will continue. So you've got a child, you've got a husband, you've got a mother, uh, you've got something at your job. And oh my, you get a little bit of relief when you go home at night. And the next day when you go back, back, there's that devil again in the form of a guy standing by you. Or some woman you work with or your wife sometimes. <laughs> Or your husband or a child or <laughs> well praise the Lord so you get a little bit of relief and then what do you do you go right back under the stress and the cortisol and the adrenaline release in your body you know what it's doing to you killing you praise God Chronic stress is also a factor in behaviors such as overeating or not eating enough, alcohol or drug abuse, and social withdrawal. Respiratory and cardiovascular system stress hormones affect your respiratory and cardiovascular system during the stress response. You breathe faster in an effort to quickly distribute oxygen-rich blood to your body. Isn't it amazing what God made when he made a man? So your body is so designed, it all harmonizes. 
bin ich supposed to then subside. Drag out the fishing pole. I copperhead lots of scared me to death, but let's go back fishing now. Man alive, I thought this was going to happen and that was going to happen. And then what? We're supposed to go back. But what if Satan can gear everything in the world? What if he can gear the money? What if he can gear politics? What if he can gear everything in the world you live where it puts you on high alert every day? If you already have a breathing problem like asthma or emphysema, stress can make it even harder for you to breathe. Under stress, your heart also pumps faster. Stress hormones can cause your blood vessels to constrict and divert more oxygen to your muscles so you'll have more strength to take action. But this also raises your blood pressure. As a result, frequent or chronic stress will make your heart work too hard for too long. When your blood pressure rises, so do your risk of having a stroke or a heart attack. Can you imagine now what we're looking at? Just one thing. Stress. Stress. Not smoking. Not marijuana. Not drugs. Not alcohol. Stress. For those of you that ain't under it, please see me after church. Your digestive system. Under stress, your liver, produ- liver rather produces extra blood sugar, glucose, to give you a boost of energy. If you're under chronic stress, your body may not be able to keep up with this extra glucose surge. Chronic stress may increase your risk of developing type 2 diabetes so we watch our sugar intake we watch this we watch that we watch that oh I don't want diabetes I don't want diabetes and we're stressed to no end and wind up getting diabetes anyway what in the world happened stress can't you see why Satan don't want you to enjoy coming to church can't you see why he don't want you to enjoy listening to tapes praying reading your bible being a Holy Ghost filled saint filled with the joy of the Lord is it wrong to go camping is it wrong to go fishing and hunting and enjoy certain things as long as they're not sin no but that's not really the depth of what I'm talking about I'm talking about our joy coming from the Lord when you can't go on a fishing trip you can still have joy when you can't go on a hunting trip you can still have joy because you've got the joy of the Lord which is your strength which calms down your hypothalamus <laughs> what's this the rush of hormones rapid breathing and increased heart rate can also upset your digestive system might as well write my name on this one you're more likely to have heartburn or acid reflux thanks to an increase in stomach acid oh y'all stomach produces it in teaspoons does it mine's in five gallon buckets Stress doesn't cause ulcers, a bacterium called H. pylori often does, but it can increase your risk 
Stress. And cause existing ulcers to act up. So Satan can do all of this from one thing. Well, I don't mind telling you if I was the devil, I'd be wanting to stress you guys out. If I could do all this with one thing. Stress can also affect the way food moves through your body leading to diarrhea or constipation. Your muscle might also experience nausea, vomiting, or a stomachache. So if he don't get you one way, he'll try to get you the other. All from what? Now, you don't smoke. You don't drink. You don't smoke dope. You don't take pills. You don't do none of that. And yet all of this is coming from this unseen something in your life. Stress. I ask you, my brother, sister, do we need the joy of the Lord? Brother Donnie, if you got any pills for this, I do. It's called the gospel. Walgreen can't give it to you. CVS can, but I've got permission from the main man to write mega doses of it right here tonight if y'all like to have some. Notice the muscular system. Your muscles tense up to protect themselves from injury when you're stressed. Don't you imagine you're walking around, you're so nervous and so tense, you're about like a banjo. A banjo, you fancy folks would say. So your arms as tight as a banjo string. Boy, that's a pretty banjo, ain't it, banjo? That's my arm muscles you're playing. Notice what your body told children. Can't you see what an enemy that we're talking about? He has studied your cardiovascular. He has studied your brain. He has studied all these things about you and say, they've got the Holy Ghost. They love God. They're sealed. But these things, I can still attack. And you do have to give him credit. He sure does attack them. So your muscles tense up to protect themselves from injury when you're stressed. So you just get all stressed out about a family situation, a bill, or whatever more. You don't even realize it. But your muscles are getting tensed as if though a mountain lion was within one foot of you eyeing dinner. Then it's just a bill over to. Or somebody said this about you on Facebook. Or done this or that or the other. And your muscles are all tensed up. Like you're getting ready to fight. I think a lot of us would probably be better off if we lived in a cabin up in the mountains somewhere. Free from internet, free from social, all this and that and the other and all the trash of the world. Come on. They tend to release again once you relax. But if you're constantly under stress, your muscles may not get the chance to relax. I've wondered for years, Carol Jean, my little darling queen, why when I lay down at night and I go to enter into the land of Nod, trying to sleep, I jerk and quiver and jerk and quiver. 
My subconscious is taking over and calming my first conscience from the world of stress that I live in. You imagine? Every one of us, no doubt, the, the, the majority of us sitting in this place tonight have lived under such stress just this week. Stress of being in this world. Stress of the darkness pressing against us. Tight muscles cause headaches, back and shoulder pain, and body aches. Over time, this can set off an unhealthy cycle as you stop exercising and turn to pain medication for relief. And all because of stress. Help me, Jesus. So let's look at 50 common signs and symptoms of stress. If any of y'all want to pack your stress out of here, we need to check you in somewhere where they'll check this up here. (laughs) Frequent headaches, jaw clenching or pain, gritting, grinding teeth, stuttering or stammering, tremors, Trembling of lips, hands, neck ache, back ache. Good Lord, this describes the majority of humanity that I know of. <laughs> Is there anything you don't touch? Muscle spasms, lightheadedness, faintness, dizziness, ringing, buzzing, or popping sounds. And I thought that was the drums. <laughs> Stress! Frequent blushing, sweating, cold or sweaty hands, feet, dry mouth, problems swallowing, frequent colds, infections, herpes sores, rashes, itching, hives, goosebumps. Man, I thought them was nice to have. Unexplained or frequent allergy attacks, heartburn, stomach pain, nausea, excess melting, constipation, diarrhea, loss of control, difficulty breathing, frequent sighing. (sighs) Sudden attacks of life-threatening panic, chest pain, palpitation, rapid pulse, frequent urination, excess anxiety, worry, guilt, nervousness, increased anger, frustration, hostility, depression, frequent or wild mood swings, increased or decreased appetite, Insomnia, nightmares, disturbing dreams. Have you heard enough? Do you understand this is more powerful than smoking? Do you understand this is more devastating and damaging than marijuana and all these drugs and things that people do over and over again? Because many people will accept this as part of life. What's warm in here tonight? <laughs> Difficulty concentrating, racing thoughts, trouble learning new information, 
forgetfulness, disorganization, confusion, difficulty in making decisions. Well, I'll tell you one thing, everybody from the pulpit to the back door across the internet around the world has been described here tonight. They ain't a preacher, a deacon, a trustee, maybe a six-month-old baby, maybe that's about the only one we've left out. Feeling overloaded or overwhelmed, frequent crying spells or suicidal thoughts, feelings of loneliness or worthlessness, little interest in appearance, punctuality, nervous habits, fidgeting, feet tapping, increased frustration, irritability, edginess, edginess, ooh, overaction to petty annoyances. If he does that one more time, I'm... <laughs> Friends, don't you understand? You understand why we're seeing more road rage than ever before? My goodness, I like to got run over three times this week. And all three of them as women. I wasn't moving fast enough and I couldn't go no faster but because the car in front of me. You know what I'm saying. Don't look at me like I'm from another planet, although I am. But yet, what is it? It's the, it's the pressure of the age. The nervous tension. They're going somewhere. They go somewhere. And you seem as well as I did. They pass you 90 miles an hour and get to the stop by 3.2 seconds before you get there. They'll pull right in front of you and they'll risk their life. And if you was to do that to them, they'll cuss you to a fly, wouldn't light on you. What is it? You know as well as I do, if anybody's sitting at the green light over here and they don't turn, you're afraid to honk your horn. That may drag out a 375 H&H or a 458 and blow your lights out. You don't know what people's going to do. And you imagine out of this age there will come overcomers. There will people who feel these things. There are people who deal with these things. But by the grace of God, they will learn how by surrendering themselves to the Holy Ghost to let the joy of the Lord be their strength. Oh, hallelujah. Yes, they will get upset. Yes, they will feel beside themselves. But my brother, sister, they will speak to themselves and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. God never made you to live under this stress all these lists of things that I've read to you may discourage you but to me I look at them as obstacles which can be and will be overcome every one of them Nervous habits, fidgeting, feet tapping, increased frustration, irritability, edginess, overreaction to petty annoyances, increased number of minor accidents, obsessive or compulsive behavior, reduce, reduce work efficiency or productivity, lies or excuses to cover up poor work, rapid or mumble speech, that don't include preachers, excessive <laughs> defensiveness or suspiciousness, problems in communicating, Sharing, social withdrawal and isolation, constant tiredness, weakness, fatigue, frequent use of over-the-counter drugs, 
weight gain or loss without diet, increased smoking, alcohol or drug use, excessive gambling or impulse buying. You mean all of these things come from one thing. Stress. Stress. Stress has been called the silent killer and can lead to heart disease, high blood pressure, chest pain, irregular heartbeat. While it is a myth that stress can turn hair gray, stress, I didn't like that, I'll tell you that right now. (laughs) Stress can cause hair loss. In fact, telegraphulum hair loss can begin with up to three months after a stressful event. So a daughter of God that loves the Lord Jesus all of our some type of trauma comes in her life and she gets through that trauma by the grace of God and God helps her and she's so happy. But all of a sudden she stands before the mirror and she's combing her hair and all this hair is coming out. Her body just now reacting to all that stress. Now she's got another trial to go through. Her hair's breaking off. Her hair's thinning down. Her hair won't grow. Oh, what an enemy. Can I go a little bit farther? The stress hormone cortisol not only causes abomination fat, <laughs> now you can quote it the right way if you want to, <laughs> abdominal fat to accumulate, but it also enlarges individual fat cells. Praise God, brother, sister, I found out some of our problems. <laughs> stress is enlarging our fat cells. come on life a little bit it won't hurt you I'm I'm sorry I just couldn't keep from busting out whenever I found this one oh my goodness maybe we should close right now stress is linked to the six leading causes of death heart disease Cancer, lung ailments, accidents, liver cirrhosis, and suicide. Derek, run over just a little bit there, buddy. There where I've got that heading under stress relief. I'm going to write you all just a little fix-it-quick script. Walgreens is closed and will be shortly, but this one can be filled right here, okay? I'll give you more of a mega dose in the morning. Laughing lowers stress hormones like cortisol, epiphorin, and adrenaline and strengthens the immune system by releasing health-enhancing hormones. 
Now, I know some of y'all don't like it when a preacher makes folks laugh. But let me tell you something. Sometimes he's doing something spiritually that you don't have no idea what he's doing. You think he's trying to be a clown. You don't have a clue, do you? No, sometimes he's getting people ready because he's fixing to scald them alive. And he's saying something to relieve and to ease the tension. So you might have to be careful when you sit there and judge a servant of God. He might be operating in a realm that you don't know anything about. Listen to this. Laughter is a powerful stress reducer. Chronic stress worsens irritable bowel syndrome, a condition that irritates the large intestine and causes constipation, cramping, and bloating. A good sense of humor can't cure all ailments, but daddy is mounting about the positive things laughter can do. A good life has great short-term effects. When you start to laugh, it doesn't just lighten your load mentally. It actually induces physical changes in your body. Laughter can stimulate many organs. Laughter enhances your intake of oxygen-rich air, stimulates your heart, lungs, and muscles, increases the endorphins that are released by your brain, activate and relieve your stress response. A hearty life fires up, then cools down your stress response. It can increase and then decrease your heart rate and blood pressure. Laughing? Laughing? The result, a good relaxed feeling, soothe tension. Laughter can also stimulate circulation and aid muscle relaxation, both of which can help reduce some of the physical symptoms of stress. Laughter isn't just a quick pick-me-up, though. It's good for you on long term. Laughter may improve your immune system. So you need to add this vitamin L to your list. You take vitamin A, vitamin B2, B4, B38, B55, B98, but B this, B that, C this, D and E and F will add vitamin L to your supplement list, a good old-fashioned hearty life. I ain't talking about foolishness now. Oh, you say that's crazy, Brother Donnie. It is not crazy. Your Bible says, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dryeth the bones. It also dries up the face. Well, praise God. Notice this. It can affect your body by bringing more stress into your system and decreasing your immunity. Laughter can increase your immunity. Flu season will be around for long, saints. Cold, pneumonia. I got a script for y'all. Life more. As much as Brother Terry laughs, he'll never die. <laughs> Lord have mercy do you believe this word can help us through such things if it can't we might as well quit let me read a little more I can't hardly stop here by contrast notice this positive thoughts can actually release Neuropeptides. No, we're not going to have a spelling class on this afterwards or test. Neuropeptides that help fight stress 
and potentially more serious illnesses. Relieve pain. Laughter may ease pain by causing the body to produce its own painkillers. Praise God. Praise God. Isn't it amazing? Now Satan attacks us with what's in us. Cortisol, adrenaline, all these other things. And God puts the other part in us as well. <laughs> well, praise God. Hallelujah. Anyhow, God's going to help me through this. Now, I know you ain't going to believe it. A fake life has the same effect on your brain as a real one. Just like a fake smile. Because your brain, Lord have mercy, your brain don't know the difference between a fake smile and a real one. And your brain don't know the difference between a fake life and a real one. So the brain just goes ahead and releases all this good stuff. Oh my. So whenever you got a fake smile, the, the brain, what does it do? The brain rewards you. The brain rewards you and releases the dopamine and all these things. Oh my, hallelujah. And whenever you laugh, you know, all of us know you've been around people and they told the corniest joke that ever was. It wasn't a bit more funny than nothing. <laughs> Fake is a $2 bill. But actually, your body released something. And you probably walked away from her thinking, that was about the worst joke I ever heard in my life. But then you got to say, it was kind of funny. It wasn't funny. Your body rewarded you. Oh, we can sit around like this. How you doing? <laughs> Just waiting for Jesus to come. Whoa. I hate this life. I hate going to church. I hate everything. You need the Holy Ghost. Don't you blame that on a desire to see the coming of the Lord. You're miserable. <laughs> Laughter increases personal satisfaction. Laughter can also make it easier to cope with difficult situations. It also helps you connect with other people, improve your mood, and most of us need improvement of our moods these days. Many people experience depression sometimes due to chronic illness. Laughter can help lessen your depression and anxiety and make you feel happier. Notice, laughter strengthens your immune system, boosts mood, diminishes pain, protects you from the damaging effects of stress. Nothing works faster or more dependably to bring your mind and body back into balance than a good laugh. I guess Brother Homer Longo Gorgeous Church ought to be one of the happiest churches in all the message ends, isn't it? <laughs> Lord, children. So, is this attainable? Or do we just wave our white flags to the devil and say, I, I give up? I give up. I mean, a lot of them things that he talked about that night, I've, I've experienced every one of them. 
And I didn't drink. I didn't do this and that and other. I never, never knew where they come from. Well, now you know. Stress. Stress of being a bride member. You know, to see you. And let me just tell you, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse before it gets better. But it's definitely going to get better. And when you come out on the other side, and the Lord Jesus looks at you that day, and you stand before Him and say, Come enter into the joys of the Lord. It was prepared for you before the foundation of the world. And that eternal joy that you will enter into, you've got a deposit of that tonight. Now, now you'll have to fight to keep it there. You'll get it. But it will be part of granting you the right to the tree of life. Let's bow our heads together if you would. Oh, Lord Jesus. Lord, how wonderfully you have made us. The prophet said, what a great thing you made when you made a man. And yet Satan in the fall not only aimed at man's soul, but he also aimed at man's body and his spirit. Who but a supernatural being so high up in the ranks of the heavenlies would be able to understand such a thing about us and turn all these things that were made in us against us. So we're made to fight or flight. We're made to feel these bursts of cortisol and adrenaline and all these things. So Satan gets it in his mind. So I will just cause a world. I will make a world that is so stress-filled. And I won't have to make everybody in the family at a sink. All I need is one person. Whether it be a husband or a wife, a son or a daughter. A, it don't even have to be a whole church. All it needs to be is one member. And I'll bend them and I'll mold them and I'll send them right among that church people. They'll sow discord and cause distress. Lord Jesus. But you knew this would come. So you made a way for us. And our way isn't just supernatural. But it's also natural. You've placed things within us that will respond to the Word only. And then you've placed things in our metabolism, our hormones, our, our brain that will respond to natural sensors. Thinking positive thoughts and speaking the Word. And even laughter. Praise God. Lord Jesus, forgive us. It's like the little story that Brother Branham told us about the two little birds sitting there talking to one another and they're talking about the human beings, how sad they looked and how depressed and down and said, don't they have a Heavenly Father that feeds them like we do? Don't they have a Heavenly Father that cares for them? Oh, yes. He cares. Lord Jesus, help us each one, I pray. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive my sheep. Forgive us, Lord, for letting Satan rob us of the fruit of joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. Help us, Father. We know the land's given to us in Christ Jesus, but we'll have to fight for every inch of it.
But Lord, I believe it's worth fighting for. I want it to be part of my testimony. Lord, I've cast out devils of lust. By your help, I've cast out pornography devils. I've cast out all kinds of devils through the years. But Lord, I wonder sometimes if we don't need a casting out of sadness and gloom and depression and weariness. People get to feeling better and then they get back down again. They spend more time down than they do up. Help us to see, Lord, we're not testifying of how great you are by doing such. Forgive us, Lord Jesus. I want to be a better man after this tonight, Lord. This is not going to fall on my ears, the ground of my heart, and my ground be so hard that the seed will lay there and scorch and burn. But I want the ground of my heart to be so fertile and so plowed up and broke up by the goodness of God that this seed word will have a place to land and I'll take it and apply it to my life, Lord Jesus. How many here with me tonight want to do the same thing? Would you raise your hand to God? How many feels like you failed God and not had the proper joy and trials? You've let Satan stress you out in every angle and every way. And maybe most of you, like myself, you never even realized to what degree till you heard this tonight that Satan has tried to rob you. Can't you see, friend, why he gets folks addicted on alcohol and drugs and things like that? He wants to get them addicted on something external from themselves. So they have to buy it, steal it, do whatever. And then they put it in themselves and it helps them for a bit, makes them feel better. Then they have to have more and more and more and more. It'll never fully completely satisfy them and the devil knows that. So they just keep getting worse and worse and worse. Most of us would never do that. But look how we've let him rob us. The trials we go through zapped us of our joy, zapped us of our peace. And the stress that we allow, we cannot change the stress of this world. But we can stop by the grace of God how it affects our lives as Christians. Amen. I mean, like to be remembered before the Lord tonight. I want you to do me a favor if you would. Would you just turn and lay your hand on a person standing there by you? Now you're, you're praying for them. They're praying for you. Praise God. Heavenly Father, you know, Lord Jesus, what I've read here tonight was not in the preparation part of this sermon until this morning. I thought I was already ready for tonight. But Lord, when I got up, you spoke something to me and sent me in a certain direction in studying. Lord, this come about in just, just a little bit of time under your anointing. I believe it's timely, Lord Jesus. Well, Father, we receive it tonight as your children. Lord God, we want to apply it to our lives. We don't want to be forgetful hearers, as James said. But Lord, help us to be able to receive the word of life. Oh, God, you don't promise us we'll be stress-free. You don't promise us, Lord God, that there won't be difficulties and troubles along the way. But you promise us you'll be with us. Lord, may have statements like your prophet saying, take the word and say it over and over again until you believe it. Say it out loud. Say it out loud until you believe it. So it shows us, Lord, we've got something to do. Us hearing ourselves say the word has a great effect on us, Father.
Help us, I pray tonight, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lamb of God, may we realize these are not insurmountable things before us. Every one of these symptoms, every one of these things I've read about, oh my, it might sound bad, but it all depends on how we look at it. We can look at it in a negative perspective and say, oh my goodness, I'll never get over that. Or we can look at it like David looked at that giant that day and say, a head that big, how in the world could you ever miss it? Praise God, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Saul looked at that giant and shook in his shoes. The other men looked at it and shook in their shoes. But David looked at it from a positive perspective, knowing the Lord God that was with him previously would be able to deliver the giant into his hands. Lord, you delivered us from our past sins. You've delivered us from all the evil, Lord, that we were partakers of. Then these giants of stress and anxiety and worry and sickness and all these things that Satan would try to put upon us, Father, then we believe by faith we can take these smooth stones in our hand, F-A-I-T-H-J-E-S-U-S, oh, hallelujah, in the promise of God and sling that sling around and watch the power of God take that rock, that revelation, and send it up to hyper sonic speed and hit that devil right between the eyes praise be to God oh we know him well enough to know we knock him down tomorrow he'll be back today he'll be back tomorrow or the next day one but we're going to be ready when he comes back and we'll keep on fighting until we are changed Lord Oh, Lamb of God, help us tonight as your people to see this is part of our inheritance, Lord. This is part of our land. Why would we want to get this kind of joy in the millennium? In the millennium, all will be joy. It's a greater victory. Oh, hallelujah, victorious testimony and a greater sign of the delivering power of God to have it in a world that has no peace, to have it in a world that's stressed to the max than it would be to have it in the millennium. Oh, Lord Jesus, anoint our lives with your presence, Father. May the oil of gladness, I pray, Father, anoint us. Praise be to God. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Can we just worship him, saints? Oh, praise be to God. Amen. Amen. How many believes it tonight with all your heart? How many is going to have it by the grace of God? Amen, amen. Oh, but Brother Donnie, it won't be easy. I didn't say nothing about it being easy. I said it's yours. It's got your name on it. Do you want it? Well, if you want it, you're going to have to take it away from the devil. It's absolutely yours as a child of God. And it will be worth it, my brother, sister. Praise be to God. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior. Forever he sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him and all my love is due him. Thank God.
cleansing flood. I heard about His healing and His cleansing power revealing how He made the lame to walk again and cause the blind to see. Of gold 
beyond the crystal sea about the angels singing and the old redemption story and some sweet day I'll sing up there the songs of victory oh victory in Jesus my Savior forever he saw me and he bought me in blood.